John chapter 18, you turn there with me. John chapter 18 is a recording of Judas' betrayal of Jesus. And as I've studied and prayed over this passage of Scripture, there's a thought that just keeps coming to my mind. Is it's all the many emotions and all the many decisions that the people are making around this crucifixion of Christ. Judas has made his decision and betrays the Lord for a certain amount of silver. And uh, Peter, he said, I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. I'll never. But he ends up uh, rejecting the Lord and uh, denying him three times. And we watch a mob of people as they come to take Jesus. And when I'm looking uh, at this scene, I'm looking at this moment. We'll read it just a minute. And the scene looks like this. Jesus is the Garden of Gethsemane. His disciples are on one side of him and emotions are running high. Uh, On the other side of Jesus is a mob, something like 600 people who have come with weapons and torches and lanterns to come and take Jesus. And there's Jesus in the middle of them. And what I see is all around Christ is you see a group of disciples that all of them will hide themselves and flee and run in fear. Peter will deny him three times. They're going to make some terrible mistakes, but all of the disciples will end up coming back and coming back around and doing the right thing and making the right decision. In the mob before Christ, I'm confident that many of them will remain rejectors of the Savior Judas will come and kiss Jesus in just a minute, and Judas and Bitters will go out and hang himself. But I can't help but think about this mob of people right here, and they're all surrounding Christ, and they're all in the valley of decision. What do we do? I'm confident a number of this 600 in the next few days will come to faith in Christ and put their trust in him. But they're trying to make a decision. Immediately, the disciples make the wrong decision and choose the flesh and choose the world and choose fear over faith in Christ. And immediately, at this moment, Judas is making the wrong decision and this mob is making the wrong decision. But when we look at this passage of Scripture, I've asked the Lord, Lord, what can, what can I share? What can we see in this passage of Scripture that will help us? Today's message is titled, There's Five Reasons to Choose Jesus Over the Flesh. Or the world. Five reasons to choose Jesus over the flesh or the world. Look with me in chapter number 18, beginning in verse number 1. We'll read this passage of scripture together. The Bible says, When Jesus had spoken these words, his high priestly prayer, when Jesus had spoken these words, he went forth with his disciples over the brook Kedron, where was a garden into which he entered and his disciples. And Judas also, which betrayed him, knew the place for Jesus oft times resorted thither with his disciples. Judas then, having received a band of men and officers from the chief priests and Pharisees, cometh thither with lanterns and torches and weapons. Jesus, therefore, knowing all things that should come upon him, went forth and said unto them, Whom seek ye? They answered him, Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus saith unto them, I am he. And Judas also, which betrayed him, stood with them. As soon then as he had said unto them, I am he, they went backward and fell to the ground 
Then ask ye them again, Whom seek ye? And they said, Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus answered, I have told you that I am he. If therefore ye seek me, let these go their way, that the saying might be fulfilled which he spake of them which thou gavest me, have I lost none. Then Simon Peter, having a sword, drew it, and smote the high priest's servant, and cut off his right ear. The servant's name was Malchus. Then said Jesus unto Peter, Put up thy sword into the sheath. The cup which my father hath given me, shall I not drink it? Then the band and the captain and officers of the Jews took Jesus and bound him and led him away to Annas first. Now we've read this passage of scripture and a fascinating story. I want to just work our way through this and tell the story. It's an interesting thing that's going on here. Jesus has just left uh, the place where he's given his high priestly prayer and they've moved into the garden, the garden of Gethsemane. Uh, and in the Garden of Gethsemane, is a place that Jesus often took his disciples. It was a place that was familiar to them. As a matter of fact, it was so familiar that Judas knew exactly where he'd be. He was consistently there at the garden, a place of retreat for him and his disciples, a place to warm their hearts and nurture their spirits and the garden. Judas, knowing where he was, gathered a band of men. This band of men was not just... Uh, 10 or 12, that most people believe is somewhere in the neighborhood of 600 men gathered together to take Jesus. Rightfully so, they were fearful. And they tried to go to extreme measures in order that they might take him. But I want you to know something. No matter how many hundreds and thousands of people you ever put up against Christ, it'll never be sufficient. God is always a majority when facing men. That's why it's important for men to always choose God. This great group of people gathered, gather, and they come to take Jesus in the garden. And Jesus, verse before, I love this. Jesus, therefore, knowing all things that should come upon him, went forth and said, he went right to them. Do you think that's what they expected? They didn't expect him to come. They expected him to run. <laughs> Jesus came forth to them and faced them head on. And one of my favorite moments in the Bible, in the New Testament, happens right here. I remember as a child being here in church, and Dr. Guiler preached on this passage of Scripture, and I'll never forget it, him telling this story. What happens here? Jesus is with his disciples, and this mob of people comes to him, and Jesus knows what's going on, and Jesus initiates the conversation. The mob of people is coming. Jesus comes to him, he looks at him and says, Whom do you seek? And they said, we seek Jesus of Nazareth. And Jesus says, I am, I've just got to face this. You see all these people, right? He says, I am he. And as soon as he said, I am he, the Bible says, I don't know what force it was. It don't have to be any of my understanding. But the Bible says when he said that, it says it just like this. As soon then as he said, verse number six, unto them, I am he, they went backward and fell to the ground. You see it? He says, I am he, and the, the whole place, something about the power of his verse, his word. By the way, the word of God's powerful, right? He says, I am he, and they, they fall backwards, and they all fall. Can you imagine all 600 of them flat on the ground? I love it. I, and I like the exchange, because Jesus says, who do you seek? They said, Jesus of Nazareth. He says, I am he. And I can just imagine, he says, who, 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 who do you seek? And they say, Jesus of Nazareth, because they're big and bad and strong. You know, there's 600 of them. 
Jesus of Nazareth. He says, I am he. They all fall. They don't even see what happens next. It's like it almost all starts over again. Verse number seven. After they've all fallen to the ground, then ask he them again, whom seek ye? I can just imagine they're still laying there. And Jesus is looking at the, whoever was the lead of the mob. And he says, whom seek ye? And they're like, Jesus and that. I can't imagine that they were somewhat humbled, clearly not humbled enough. They say they seek Jesus of Nazareth, and he tells them, I have told you that I am he. Therefore you seek me, let these go their way. He says, I want my disciples to not be part of this. He says, you found me, here I am, let my disciples go. Then Peter, oh brave, brave and mighty Peter, what's he do? He jumps up. Jesus just recently told him, don't fight these things with swords. The cup is the way to go. Peter pulls out his sword, cuts off Malchus's ear. And in another record, it's not in the John's record, but Jesus literally picks up Malchus's ear and puts it back on his head and heals it. Can you imagine what kind of trouble Peter would have been in if the ear had not been healed? Jesus puts the ear back on Malchus's hair, head. The disciples go their way. Jesus goes his. There's something interesting here. Jesus says in verse 11 to Peter, Put up thy sword into the sheath. The cup which my father hath given me, shall I not drink it? He says, I'm going to have to obey my father. I'm going to have to obey the Lord. Verse 12. Then the band of the captain and officers of the Jews took Jesus and bound him. Do you think they had anything strong enough to bind Christ? No. Jesus allowed them to bind him. Bind him. Jesus allowed them to bind him. Love, love for you and me is what bound Christ. That's what held him to the cross. He held himself to the cross. It wasn't a nail. It wasn't a government. But it was love. They bound him and we see the story. So Jesus is taken away. Taken away to begin the process to die on the cross for our sins. What I want to pay attention to, though, is this mob of people and these disciples. And I want to give you five reasons why you and I and they should choose Jesus over the flesh and over the world. Number one, number one, he is consistent. He is consistent. Have you ever noticed that there's very little consistent in this world? There's very little consistent in this world. I want to be consistent, but I can't be as consistent as I'd like to be because I'm human and flesh. But Jesus is always consistent. It's fascinating to me. It's just simple, I know, but it's important, I think, that we note it in the first two verses of this chapter that Judas Iscariot knew where Jesus would be because Jesus was consistent. The Bible says in verse number 2, Judas also, which betrayed him, knew the place for Jesus oft times resorted thither with his disciples. Jesus was consistent. He was consistent in his care for his disciples. He was consistent in the emphasis that was necessary, the emphasis on prayer, the emphasis on obedience to God, the emphasis on doing the right thing. Jesus was consistent. I know it's a very small thing, but it is not insignificant that Judas knew where to find Jesus because Jesus was consistent in his relationship to God the Father. He's consistent. 
I don't know about you, but I like to be able to have a place to rest and trust that is consistent. The world, my lands, it changes every moment. But I'll have you know something. Jesus is God and God never changes. And you can trust in Christ Jesus. The ways and the words and the purpose of Jesus Christ have never changed. He's consistent. I love the idea that I can rest in him, that I can trust in him. He does not change. Have you ever been around a situation that felt like you was trying to hit a moving target uh, and the rules change and the, the ways? That, that's not how Jesus works. He's consistent. We should trust in Jesus because he is consistent. He never changes. Everything around you may be falling apart, but Jesus will never change. He's consistent. You should choose Jesus because of his consistency. He's declared once and finally the way to please him is to trust him. Jesus is consistent. Number one, Jesus is consistent. Number two, Jesus is omniscient. I don't use that word to sound smart because I know that I'm not. But it's a wonderful word, omniscient. Uh, I always remembered it because it looked like science to me, and science looked looked like knowing to me. And so omniscient. I remember Fred Conley taught us this in a Bible class at Chile High School many years ago. He taught us about omniscience and being God was omniscient and omnipresent and omnipotent. And I learned that, and I thought, well, that looks omniscient. It looks like science. He must know everything. God does. He knows everything. Uh, Why should I trust in Jesus? Because he's omniscient. I think it's interesting to see in verse number 3, the Bible says, Judas then having received a band of men and officers from the chief priests and Pharisees coming thither with lanterns and torches and weapons. Jesus therefore knowing all things that should come upon him went forth and said unto them, Whom seek ye? I just think it's wonderful that he knew all things. Why should I trust Jesus? Because he's omniscient. He's omniscient. He knows the beginning from the end. He is the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. He is somebody you can trust. Why should I trust Jesus? Because Jesus knows what's going on. He's omniscient. You see, we're tempted in our lives to trust our human reasoning. But I'll have you notice that any time that your human reasoning begins to contradict God's word in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ, you better Trust in Christ because Christ has made a plan that is in consideration and knows the beginning from the end. There are new things and new ideas and Jesus' way will always outshine them all. He knows everything. He knows everything. Are you tempted to accept something that the world teaches over something that Christ Jesus teaches in his word, don't fall into that trap. Jesus may have lived more than 2,000 years ago, but his word is relevant to this moment, and it's true. God knows the beginning from the end. He knows the everything. Trust in Jesus. Trust in Jesus. Oh, would to God that Peter had listened to Christ and not acted out in the flesh, would to God that the disciples and Peter would have followed him faithfully as, as opposed to rejecting from a distance. Oh, would to God that the mob and Judas, if Judas had only listened to Jesus, if Judas had chosen something different, the outcome for Judas would have been so much better. See, when we're tempted to 
trust the, and choose the flesh and the world over Jesus, we make a mistake because Jesus is omniscient. He knows everything. Number three, we should choose Jesus over the world and the flesh because, number three, Jesus is all-powerful. He is powerful. Verses 5 and 6, they answered him, Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus said to them, I am he. And Judas also, which betrayed him, stood with him. As soon then as he had said unto them, I am he, they went backward and fell to the ground. I think about the power of God that moment. I am he. Whew. They all fell down. Why should I choose God over the flesh and over the world? Because God is all-powerful. God is all-powerful. He's faithful. He's powerful. That mob of people, they fell around. I've often thought, my lands, how hard and cold-hearted could you possibly be to experience something like that? How do you explain away one man saying one phrase and more than 600 people falling on their tails? How do you explain that away? It's like God pulled the rug out from their feet right there on the spot. And they had the audacity. This is, this is what blows my mind. They had the audacity after Jesus had knocked them all down with, I am he, three words. They had the audacity to get up and bind him and take him to the cross. <laughs> it's crazy, isn't it? He's all powerful. Well, they sinned us against such light. May God help us. God's proved himself to us time and time again. How many of you could say, just could identify or testify that Jesus has proved himself faithful to you through the years? Would you just say amen? Amen. amen. How many of you, in spite of the many times that Jesus has proved himself faithful to you, you've caught yourself in fear or faithlessness, choosing the world, the flesh over Jesus? Would you say, oh me, oh me. May we be reminded not to fall into that trap. I mean, God is so faithful. Uh, first of all, I look at God in creation, I think there's no way that I could deny that God exists. And then I know what Jesus has done in my own heart through salvation and through the years of his faithful care. And I think, how in the world could I choose the world and the flesh? But even I, in spite of the power and the blessing of God in the past, I have this temptation in my heart and I sometimes fear overwhelms me to the place where I'm willing and I'm tempted to choose the world, the flesh over God. Oh, I pray that I won't fall into that trap because God has proved himself faithful time and time again. And if you want to put your trust in something that will last and matters, trust in Jesus. He's powerful. Five reasons to choose Jesus over the flesh and the world See, he is consistent, he is omniscient, he is powerful. Number four, he is compassionate. He is compassionate. Look at the Bible says in verse 7. Then ask he them again, whom seek ye? I like that. I, I wish I could hear it. I'd love to hear the inflection in his voice. Whom seek ye? They're all like sit down. They're all on, their, on the ground. Whom seek ye? And they said, Jesus, I just love to hear it. Wouldn't you hear the tone of their voices? Verse 8, Jesus answered, I have told you that I am he. 
If therefore ye seek me, let these go their way. What's he concerned about? He says, I've told you I'm he. He says, if therefore ye seek me, let these go their way. What's he, he concerned about? His disciples. His disciples. Jesus is compassionate. All through the life of Christ, we see <clears throat> that Jesus is selfless and compassionate. I like the spirit of Christ. The Bible says he humbled himself, became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. He was compassionate. He cared about others. It was for me he died. It was for you. Others, he said, he says, you've come for me, here I am, let my disciples go. But the compassion doesn't stop there. He says, first of all, I'm caring about my disciples. The Bible says he does that so it would be fulfilled what he said, that he had not lost any of his disciples save Judas Iscariot. He says, I care about my disciples. Take care, leave the disciples alone. And then you see Peter, the big dummy, coming out of the shadows with a sword in hand, and he cuts off Malchus's ear. And then we see Jesus' compassion again in another record, another one of the gospel records. We have the picture of Jesus taking Malchus's ear and putting it back on his head. I see Jesus' compassion. He says, leave my disciples alone. I see Jesus' compassion. He picks up that bloody ear and puts it right back on Malchus's head. He cares for Malchus. I can't wait to get to heaven to see what happened to Malchus. I'll be fascinated to know. If a man, the Savior, put your ear back on, I wonder if he responded to that. I've got a feeling he did. Compassion. He also had compassion in healing Malchus to keep Peter out of a lot of trouble. Think about what kind of trouble Peter have gotten into when word got around that that Peter guy, that disciple of Jesus, cut off this soldier's ear. He'd have been in big trouble, wouldn't he? Can you imagine trying to prove it late now that Jesus put it back? I saw it. He cut off his ear. We should charge Peter. He should be, uh, he should be put to death for assaulting one of our uh, soldiers. But they said, but, but, but the, the ear, it's fine. <laughs> prove that. Jesus shows him compassion. I love the compassion of Christ. He cares about others more than himself and I'll just tell you something the spirit of Christ is something I can trust in he was compassionate consistent omniscient powerful compassionate finally number five five reasons to choose Jesus over the flesh and the world he is obedient he is obedient the Bible says in verse 11 then said Jesus unto Peter put up thy sword into the sheath the cup which my father hath given me shall I not drink it then the band and the captain and officers of the Jews took Jesus and bound him. The first thing he says is, Peter, put up thy sword into thy sheath. Then he says, the cup. The cup. We need to pay attention to the cup. The cup which my father hath given me, shall I not drink it? What was Jesus willing to do? He was willing to take the cup. Some We call it the bitter cup. The cup. The cup of suffering. He says, I'm not going to use the sword. Jesus, as he could have any time, could have called a legion of angels to his aid. But 
he said, I must take the cup. There's another passage of Scripture. The Bible says that Jesus went a little further. Jesus could have stopped it all right here, but he came to die on the cross for our sins. He didn't have to drink the cup. He even prayed in the Garden of Gethsemane, if it be thy will, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, he took the cup. He drank the cup of suffering. Paid the price for our sins. The cup. He took the cup. I read something interesting about the cup. Oftentimes, you'll see big cups on tops of trophy, on tops of trophies. Have you ever seen that? Have you ever wondered why they put a big cup on top of a trophy? <laughs> you have this cup and that cup and trophies. You win the cup. And a lot of folks believe that that was started because when you've taken the cup, you've had to swallow a lot. When you've taken the cup, you've had to bear a lot. And when you have that trophy that you've accepted the cup, it's testimony that you've won at great cost to yourself. Jesus took the cup. He said, I'm going to do what I've came to do. I'm going to do what God sent me to do. I'm going to do the hard thing in order that it might be the right thing, that you can have redemption. He took the cup. He says, the cup that my Father's given me, shall not I drink it? He says, I'm going to obey. Why should we choose Jesus over the flesh and over the world? Because Jesus died on the cross for our sins. Because Jesus paid the price for our redemption. Because Jesus came and lived a sinless life and was obedient to death, even the death of the cross. Why? So that you and I, through his sacrifice, could receive forgiveness of sin and salvation and life eternal by trusting in him. Why should I trust Jesus? Because no one else has ever died that you might have everlasting life. No one else is perfect. And in love gave his life for you. Why should I take the cup? Why should I trust Jesus? Because he took the cup. The cup. I want you to know something. No man took Jesus' life. There's a phrase in a song we sing around here sometimes. And I don't really like it. It says that Jesus' blood was spilt. I like the song as a whole, but... I don't like that little phrase. Jesus' blood was spilt. It almost makes it look like it was an accident. I want you to know something. It was no accident that Jesus shed his blood on the cross of Calvary. And I want you to know this day as we read verse number 12, the band and the captain and the officers of the Jews took Jesus and bound him. I want you to know something. They've never made a rope so strong that it could hold Christ. It says they bound him and we know that they did. But it wasn't the ropes or the will of the men that held Christ that day. It was Jesus' love and willingness to obey the Father and do what was necessary in order to make it possible that you and I would not have to suffer hell. It was his love that bound him. And because Jesus was obedient unto death, because Jesus paid the price for our redemption, because Jesus was faithful to take the cup, Folks, you and I have every reason in the world 
to choose him over the flesh and the world. As a result of this meeting in the garden that night, the mob and the disciples, we know all the disciples said yes to the Lord. It took them a little while. They had some hiccups and bumps along the way. But they all said yes to the Lord. And God used them to start the early church. And I can't help but think, out of this mob of people that a number of people weighed in a balance, who should I believe? Who should I trust? And put their trust in Christ. And on a day like today, in a crowd like this, you're out there, you're thinking, I wonder, should I give my heart and life to Christ? Should I believe the Bible and God's Word? Should I determine with my life to say yes to the Lord and put Him first like the Bible says? Or should I forget this all, forget all this as a myth? So I set it aside. Folks, I want you to know something. The wisest decision you ever make on a day like today would be to choose Jesus over the flesh and over the world. You see, the world comes with no promise. But the word of God comes with all the promises of the word of God. My God shall supply all your needs according to his riches and glory. God will give you peace. God will be there for you. God will help you. And God, through faith in Jesus, will give you everlasting life in heaven. There's every reason in the world, five we've seen today, to choose Jesus over the flesh and over the world. What choice are you making? Oh, we're so tempted. We're so tempted to choose what looks new and fresh. And may God help us to choose Jesus. Choose Jesus. You'll be glad you did.